Good morning, Journey. How are you guys doing today? All right. Hey, special welcome to those of you who are joining us online. I am Daniel, Pastor Daniel, and I'm honored to serve as one of the pastors here at Journey Church. And I'm excited to be able to share with you uh, this first Sunday of the year 2022. And uh, look at somebody next to you and just tell them, hey, we made it. We made it, right? It's an accomplishment. We made it. We made it through uh, the year 2021. And maybe it was a great year for you. Maybe it was not uh, so much of a great year. So would you guys, would you participate if some good things happened, any good things happened for you in 2021? Yeah, that's good. It, maybe it, uh, the other hand is some bad things happen, right? <laughs> Look, the truth is they always happen, right? There's always good things that happen in a year, and there's always difficult things that happen in a year. And even more so than that, there's always good things that happen in a week, right? There's always difficult things that happen in a week. You could break it down even further than that and say there are always good things that happen in a day and there are always difficult things that happen in a day. The truth of the matter is that ups and downs are just a normal part of the life that we're called to live. And so we're going to look at a guy today who had plenty of ups and downs in his life, and we're going to look at one occasion where he had both ups and downs, and we're going to see what God can teach us as we step into a brand new year uh, this year in the year 2022. And so the guy that we're going to be looking at is a guy by the name of Elijah, and in just a moment we're going to dig into uh, a specific passage of his life. But before we do that, I want to catch you guys kind of up to date on some things that have been going on to his li- in his life before uh, we read that passage. And so up to this point in his life, Elijah has been a prophet. He's been called by God. At some point he prays, and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. And so you can bet that a lot of people didn't like him. They didn't like the guy who prayed, and all of a sudden it quit raining, and now it's dry and it's dusty, and nobody's able to grow crops, and it's making surviving very difficult. And so he's not a very popular guy at this moment. At the same time, the entire nation of Israel is pretty much turning its back on the person of God. And they're choosing to follow uh, other idols, specifically uh, the idols of Baal. And Elijah is kind of in a back and forth with the prophet Sabal, and he's also on the run quite often from someone who seeks to do him harm over and over and over again. But after he prays, at the end of three and a half years, he comes into a confrontation with the prophets of Baal. And we don't have time to walk through the whole story, but if you want to go back and read it uh, this week, I would encourage you to. But what ends up happening is uh, they build an altar, and, and fire from heaven ends up consuming the altar, and it proves that Elijah, one, is who he said he was. It also proves the power of the God that Elijah serves. And so it is a very high moment. It's a high moment for Elijah. All of a sudden, God has came through. He's shown his power. Right after that, Elijah prays, and it begins to rain again. And so after three and a half years, God shows his power, proves that he is the one and only God. He proves that Elijah is a servant of his. Elijah prays. It begins to rain again. Another high moment. Things are going really, really good in Elijah's life, except something happens. After the nation of Israel sees the power of God, they simply go back and start doing the things they were doing before, like very quickly. The king is there. He sees this happen. He literally sees fire fall from heaven. He goes back home. He tells his wife everything that has happened. And his wife, a lady by the name of Jezebel, doesn't respond with, wow, we should really get things right and start following God. She says, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. And so Elijah goes on the run. He's running for his life all of a sudden. He ends up in the middle of the desert and he asks God to kill him. Now he's in a deep depression. He went from super high to super low to the point of going, God, I really just want you 
to take my life. And God does show up, but he doesn't take his life. In fact, he gives them something to eat. He says, hey, you're about to go on a long journey, and so I want you to eat this, or else you're not going to make it. And so Elijah eats, and he travels for 40 days into the wilderness, and he ends up on the mountain of the Lord, the very same mountain that God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on. And in that moment, he enters a cave, and he has an experience with God. And in that experience, I believe we learn some things of whether we're in a time of super high or whether we're in a time of super low or whether right now your life is just somewhere in between and you're just surviving. There are some things I think God would want to teach you as you step into a new year. And he does this through the life of Elijah. Here's the first thing. It's this. It's that spiritual lows often follow times of spiritual highs. You sit in the life of Elijah, but you also sit in your own life, don't you? Haven't you seen it where things go really good? And this is just not just a spiritual concept. I would say this is just a life concept that one moment things are going really, really good. And then the next week you can totally reverse that and things are going really, really bad, right? It's an up and a down and an up and a down and an up and a down. And maybe you've experienced that lately. Maybe you came to a Christmas Eve gathering here at Journey and it was a super high moment. And two days later you ate dinner with your family and something was said and all of a sudden a super low moment, right? You've been there. You've experienced the ups and the downs that just go along with life, And then we see this just at the beginning. We see that no earthly victory or success will bring complete fulfillment. That no amount of earthly success or no earthly victory will ever bring you complete fulfillment. Now, I spent some time searching, and, and it's easy to find stories of people who are super successful but still aren't enjoying life. It's not hard to do. And so I did a Google search, and I wanted to bring one really good to you guys, but I don't need to, do I? Because you've experienced this. You've gotten the thing that you worked super hard for, only to realize that you're still a little empty on the inside. You got it. You got, you got home you always wanted. You got the car you always wanted. You got the job that you always wanted, and you realize that it wasn't enough. And that's because nothing that this world has to offer will ever completely fulfill you. It will satisfy your appetite for a moment, but then you find yourself hungry again. Right? And we see this in the life of Elijah. He just experienced two great victories. And right at the end of them, he goes, I'm super tired, and I'm tired of running for my life, and I really just wish my life was over. No matter the victory, it will never be enough. But there is something that's enough, and we're going to get to that in just a moment. And so Elijah goes through this. God eventually leads him to the cave on the mountain of the Lord. And here is what happens when Elijah's in the cave. And so he begins a conversation. It says, And there he came to a cave where he spent the night. And Elijah replied, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down the altars. they killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied again, 
I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive there, anoint Hazel to be king of Aram. And then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphath, from the town of Abimola to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape, excuse me, Jehu will be killed by Elisha. And yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or have never kissed him. Look, it's a pretty cool experience, right? Elijah 1, he's in a very down moment. We see that God cares for him. He chooses not to come down hard on him, but he chooses to rebuild him and restore him back to the ministry that he called him to. And then God chooses to show himself to Elijah in three different ways, and he chooses to speak to him in one very specific way. And in the midst of that, I believe there are at least three things we can learn this morning that we can apply to our life as we move forward into the year 2022. And the first one is this, is that as we move forward, we should take time to examine our life. We should take time to examine our life. In other words, there should be some time in the next week or so where you actually stop and you sit down and you go, how am I doing? How actually is my life that you stop, that it's not just about going from one day to another or even from one year to another, but you actually sit down for a moment and you go, man, where am I at in life? And I would suggest you do that in five very specific areas. And the first one is this. How are you doing in your relationship with God? How are things with you and God? How is that walk going? Is it actually growing or is it going backwards? Because there's no really stagnant area for you in your walk with God. So where are you Right there. So take some time this week and go, man, I, I want to think through how it is I'm doing with my relationship with God. Where does that stand? The second thing, how is your relationship with your spouse? If you're married, how is your relationship with your spouse? How is it going? Are you guys in a good spot? Are you in a bad spot? Are you a spot where you're just kind of living in the same home and you're just trying to, to survive and go day to day? Are you in a spot where your kids are taking all of your attention and you don't have attention for anyone else? Are you in a spot where you got your kid and you puppy for Christmas and you don't sleep anymore? <clears throat> I am, right? <laughs> where are you at? Where is your relationship with each other? It's good. We start with our relationship with God. It goes down to that second most important relationship, your relationship with your spouse. If you're not married but you're in a romantic relationship, write that down. Hey, how am I doing in that relationship? Are we honoring God in that relationship? Is it moving the way that it's supposed to move? But I would encourage you to spend some time this week examining that area of your life. And then if you need to change something, then guys, change something. Change something. How are you doing in your relationship with your spouse? Third, how's your vocational life? How's your vocational life? This is your job, the thing that you go to pretty much on a daily basis. How are things there? Are you actually working hard, right? Are you doing what you've been paid to do? Are you making a difference at your job or are you just doing your job? In fact, you may want to ask it this way. Are you living out your calling in the midst of your career? Because oftentimes those are two different things. There's a call that God has placed on your life, something very specific. And he's placed you, look, in your career where he's placed you so that you can live out that calling. And so that you can make a difference. So you actually making a difference for the gospel when you go to work every day. Or are you just kind of getting by and making sure that you get a paycheck so that you can provide for your family. So how are you doing in your vocational life? 
But fourth, how are you doing in your social life? How's your social life? How's your relationships with other people? We value this at Journey Church. That's why we do life groups. And you hear us over and over and over again encouraging you to get plugged into a life group because we know that God created you to do life with other people. And if you're doing life on your own, there's only so far that you can go in your relationship with God. So how are your relationships with other people? Do you have friendships? Do you have friendships? Or have you just kind of been so busy with life over the last two or three or four or five years that you look up and you go, you know, I don't really have any close friends anymore. We just kind of drifted apart. That's because friendships take work. How are they? How are your friendships? Are there people that you're hanging out with on a regular basis that are encouraging you and pushing you to be more like Christ? Listen, and are there people you're hanging out with that you just have fun with? Right? You just do life with. Scripture tells us God gave us all good things for us to enjoy. Are there people that you're enjoying life with? You need those people in your life. And look, I would say this, that if your life is so busy that you don't have time for other people, then you need to unbusy your life. Because people, relationships, are more important than the other things that you have to do. Right? They're more important than your kid being in one more hobby. They're more important than you lowering your golf score. They're more important than you chasing after one more dream. People matter. They matter. And so make sure that you're spending time with them. And then finally, if we're going to examine our life, we're going to ask, how is our financial life? How are we doing financially? Because you know this, that if you're not in a good spot financially, it affects every other part of your life, right? That's the kind of stress that finds its way into every area of your life. And so I want to encourage you to take some time and go, man, am I just handling my finances the way that God would have me handle my finances. And if not, what do we need to do? How do we need to adjust it? Now, I ask you to do this, one, because there's a question that God asked Elijah right at the beginning of this story. Right? He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? I want to know, what are you doing here? And so I want to ask you, in those five areas of your life, how, what are you doing where you're at? What are you doing? How did you end up there? Why are you in that area of your life? Why are you at the spot that you're at? And what are you going to do about it? As you examine your life, you just go, hey, here's where we're at. We're going to be honest. This is where we're at in life. And now we're going to ask the question, what are we going to do about it? In the book of Proverbs, we read it this way. It says, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. And you may go, Daniel, you got the wrong guy, right? I have no flocks and no herds. That's not, I don't have any of that. That's not what it's saying. Look, it's saying you need to know what's going on in your life. You need to know where things stand in your life and where you're at. And the truth of the matter is this, is that wherever you're at is the point that you need to start from. And so today, wherever you are, listen, it isn't about you lying about it. It isn't about you saying, I'm going to get it better. It's just about you going, all right, here's where we're at. And now we're going to move forward with it. There's a story I read recently about an airliner in uh, 1979. There was a passenger jet carrying 257 people to Antarctica and back. It was just kind of a day sightseeing trip. And the plane ended up two degrees off of their flight coordinates, just two degrees. But it caused them to end up 28 miles east of where they were supposed to fly to. And it put them directly in the path of Mount Erebus, which rises some 12,000 feet in the air, and that day, a two-degree era caused a plane to slam into the side of a mountain and cost 257 people their life. And in fact, people that work in the airline industry have a rule. They call it the one in 60 rule. And it goes like this, that for every one degree a plane veers off course, 
it misses its target by one mile for every 60 miles that it travels. So here's, here's how that plays out. I know that sounds confusing. After 100 yards, you'd be off by five feet. It doesn't sound like a big deal, right? So you're just off by five feet. After one mile, you end up off by 92.2 feet. And if you're on a degree that you're flying around the equator and you actually circle the globe, you end up missing your destination by more than 500 miles simply by being off one degree. One degree. And I would say you guys in those five areas, if we're off even one degree and we travel that one degree for a long amount of time, it will end in destruction. And so today we ask ourselves, where are we and what do we need to do to get right back on the path that we need to be on? And here's the truth of the matter. Listen, here's the truth. You are where you are. You are where you are. You're not changing that in this moment. Right. Your relationship with your spouse right now in this moment, that's where it is. That's where it's at. Your relationship with God right here in this moment, that, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. That's your, your finances, they are where they are right here in this moment. Your friendships, they are where they are. And you are where you are, right? That's just where you are. There's nothing in this moment that you actually can do to change it. So I want to encourage you this. Hey, don't lie about it. Don't lie and act like things are better than they are. Just be honest with yourself. And you know what? Things aren't really good in that area of my life. There are some things that I need to change, and there are some things that I don't need to, or that I need to do different. And so God is questioning Elijah, and the fact of the matter is Elijah is responding to God, and he's telling God things that aren't true. He's going, listen, God, I've always served you, and I've always been the one to stand up for you, and there are no other prophets left. Just a few verses before, you read that there are a hundred prophets that someone has taken, and they have hidden so that they don't lose their life also. But Elijah, in the midst of his despair, has made it all about him. And in the midst of making it all about him, he's beginning to tell things that aren't true, and he's beginning to lie about it. Don't lie about it. Don't excuse it. It's easy to go, yeah, I realize we're right here in this moment, but fill in the blank. We're right here, but whatever the excuse is, right? We're, we're here financially, but if this had never happened, it doesn't matter. That's where you're at, right? I'm here vocationally, but if I'd never taken that risk and taken that job, it doesn't matter. That, that's over with. You are where you are. And listen, don't make it worse than it is. Don't make it worse than it is. How many of you know that you can talk a problem into being worse than it actually is, Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I have a guy I play golf with. When I, when I get to play, I play with him a lot. And we'll, we'll pull up onto the first tee box. And we'll be getting out and we'll, we'll pull our drivers out of the bag. We'll walk up to the tee box. There'll be someone two holes in front of us. And he'll go, you see that? And I go, yeah. What? He goes, they just dropped an extra ball. Did you see that? And I go, okay. He goes, man, we're going to catch them. I go, Okay. <laughs> Because you know when we catch them, they're not going to let us play through. You know they're not. We're going to be stuck behind them all day. And look at how bad they are. And I'm like, we had not seen them hit a shot yet. We, they may be a man, could be a pro up there. I don't know what's going on. But we just create problems that don't exist. It's funny to do it on the golf course. It's not a funny thing to do it in your family or in your relationship with God and in the other areas of your life. But we can talk things into being worse than they are. And that's exactly what Elijah is doing right now. He's talking himself into making a problem worse than it actually is. And in fact, at the end of it, God goes, hey, you said you were the only one. In fact, there are 7,000 other people. And so you've been all worried about yourself, and you've been worried about what I'm doing in other places. Well, they really don't have anything to do with you. You worry about what I've called you to do, and stop making problems bigger than they actually are. Listen, you can't solve fake problems. You can only solve real ones. And so be honest. 
this is where the problem is, and here's what we're going to do about it. And just admit, this is where we're at. This is where we're at. And then invite God to search your heart. Invite God to search your heart. It's not enough for you simply to look at it. You need to see things through God's eyes. Because he he sees things that you don't see. And you may see a problem, but he sees the heart of the problem. Right? He sees what the real solution is. And so invite God to search your heart. Here's the way the psalmist said it. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search me, O God, and know my heart. It's an invitation for you not only to look at those crucial areas of your life, but it's an invitation for you to hear what God has to say to you also. And so we're going to look at those. We're going to examine our life. Listen, and then we're going to put ourselves in a position to hear from God. It's one thing to invite God to search us. It's another thing to end up in a position that we actually hear his response. I want you guys to hang with me right here. Don't let your minds go too far one way or another when I begin, begin this thought. But I think one of the best parts of marriage is being able to talk to your spouse while they're in the shower. All right? Here, look, y'all stop it. Here's what I mean. Is you can be in the other room, you can have a full-on conversation, and the person in the shower don't hear anything you're saying. Every now and then, you'll clear, you'll clarify, right? Hey, you hear what I'm talking about? And I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm the person in the shower, it's, yeah. <laughs> and then a couple hours later, something hadn't been done. It's like, well, we talked about that. And so you get the privilege as the spouse to go in. We talked about that, although you know you're having a conversation in an environment that they can't hear you. Right? I got the water splashing on my face. There's water going into my ears. I don't even know that you're here right now. So I have no idea what we're talking about. You're in an environment where you can't hear. I think we invite God oftentimes to speak to us, but we keep putting ourselves in environments where we know we can't hear him because we really don't want to hear what he has to say. And so we keep putting ourselves in those environments. And what God did with Elijah was he said, hey, I want you to march 40 days through the desert so that you can be away from everything that you know, and I'm going to put you in a spot where you can actually hear me. And listen and respond. And what Elijah did was he returned to a place where God had done great things in the past. And he invited him to do something new. Look, here's what happened. So Elijah's on the mountain. He comes out of the cave. He hears a powerful wind. But God wasn't in the wind. And here's why. Because power scares us. But the effects are momentary. Power scares us. But the effects are momentary. You've seen it. You've probably seen a powerful move of God. You've seen God do something amazing or something that awestruck you. And then you just kind of get used to those things. right? You remember the first time maybe you drove into the mountains and you were like, wow, this is amazing. And now you've been so often that it's just kind of what it is. Right? You've seen it a time or two or ten or twenty. Or the first time you looked on the vastness of the ocean and you were awestruck by it. And now you've been so many times that you're just like, okay. And it's because powerful things, they impress us, but they don't affect us with lifelong change. We go, man, that's amazing. Love to be a part of it again. But the change that actually happens is something very short and it's momentary. And so God sent a wind so powerful that rocks are falling off the mountain, but it doesn't affect long-term change. And then the earthquake. 
He doesn't just hear the earthquake, but he experiences it. But God in the earthquake either. And that's because the urgent alarms us, but it doesn't prompt long-term commitment. Look, you've seen this, right? You've watched the commercials on TV that tug at your heart. Maybe it's about an animal or maybe it's about someone struggling in another country or maybe it's about someone struggling with homelessness and it tugs on you and there's an urgent need there, right? There's a need that needs to be addressed right there at that moment. And you might help at the moment, but very rarely do you do something that lasts for a lifetime, right? That's because the urgent, we want to fix that problem right then and there, but we don't want to fix it for the long term. And so God was not in the earthquake. Then God was not in the fire. When the fire happened, it would have brought immediate memories to Elijah of what he just experienced. He would have remembered the fire falling from the sky. He would have remembered also the fact that God chose in that very wilderness that he was in to lead his people with a pillar of fire. It would have, it would have brought about a lot of memories for him. But memories of the past encourage us, but they seldom cause us to move. And so we remember great times, right? We remember good times from the past. And in fact, I don't, I don't want to put a damper on your day, not as we began 2022, but science has proven that we actually remember good times better than they were. And so there's something about the way that our brain was wired. And so when you're talking about the good old days or maybe like how when you grew up or, or any of those type things, the science has proven over and over again that they're actually not as good as you remember them being. Right, so here it is, bad news for you. Grandma's pecan pie was not as good as you remember it being. Right, it just, it wasn't those times gone by. We romanticize them and we make them better than they were. And sometimes they do, they inspire us. We go, man, I remember that and that was a great time. So glad we got to experience that. But very rarely does it cause us to move and to do something in the present. And so what we want to do is we want to know what God wants us to do right now. And so here's where God shows up in a silent whisper. In a silent whisper. In fact, the original language, if you translate this from the original Hebrew, it goes this way, that it's a whisper of sound. In other words, there's not even a voice behind it. It's just a little bit of a sound. And Elijah hears the whisper, and then he responds. Here's why, because silence is often used by God to get our attention. It's often used by God to get our attention. And so maybe you're in here in the room today and you hadn't heard the voice of God in 10, 15, 20 years. Maybe it's been a day or a week or a month. I would say maybe you can't hear it because God wants to speak to you. Maybe he wants to speak to you. And when we experience the silence of God, two things happen. We either get into a place where we actually can hear that whisper or we fill our life with so much noise that we forget that God speaks at all. And so if you want to hear the voice of God, then you've got to put yourself in a position to hear from Him. And look, here's what we do. Me too. We often look for God in these huge, grandiose, powerful moments. But most of the times, the life-changing moments are found in intimate moments that are just between you and God. And Elijah experienced a very awe-inspiring powerful moment but for his life to change god puts him by himself in a cave and he whispers to him and he whispers and he gives him something very specific to do and you'll notice as we finish up the passage that he goes about doing it here's the final thing for this year we're going to act upon the truth that god reveals to us we're going to act upon the truth that god reveals to us 
if you have kids, one of the most annoying things, and you may disagree with me on this. You may go, that's not one of the most annoying things. It's okay, you can be wrong, right? It's very annoying. It's when you tell your kid to do something and they respond with just two words. Let's say, for instance, you look at them and you go, hey, your room needs to be cleaned. And they respond with a very simple phrase. And they go, I know. (laughs) And I go, I wish you had said anything else. Like, I failed to see that pile of clothes in my floor. I don't know how that candy got there, right? I don't know. But you're telling me you saw it, and you're just choosing not to do anything about it. That you know that your room needs to be clean, but you're just not going to clean it, right? I'm just going to choose not to do it. And it's a frustrating thing as a parent. But listen, how often do we do that to God? How often do we know what we're supposed to be doing and we just don't do it? And we go, Lord, I pray that you would speak to me and God is going to have. I've spoken. You know what to do. You know the changes that you're supposed to make. And so just go, just go do them and act upon the things that God has called us to do. That's why Colossians 3 puts it this way, that there are things that we're supposed to be doing. Look, this isn't just about your work life. This is about you following Jesus. And so work willingly at whatever you do. Work. Put it into practice as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. And so you guys, as we step into 2022, I think through the life of Elijah. And listen, he went and he lived it out. And he finished his story. He did some amazing things for the rest of his life. Not only in his life, but in the lives of others. And he wants to do the same thing in your life. And some next steps for us today... They're pretty clear. First off, we're going to set aside some time this week to examine our life. Maybe it's just an hour. Maybe it's you getting up early, or maybe it's you staying up late, or maybe it's you going to lunch by yourself and just pulling out a sheet of paper and jotting down those five areas and going, how am I doing? How are these things? And then going, God, I want you to speak to me. Show me what needs to be different. And show me how to do it. So we're going to examine our life. Second, we're going to put into practice what we hear God say to us. Right? We're not going to say, I know, and then not do anything about it. We're going to say, Lord, I know, and I know it might be difficult, and I know it might be hard, but I know if you've called me to do it, that it's absolutely what's best. And so I'm going to put into practice the things that you said to me. Would you guys join me in prayer this morning? Lord, we love you and thank you. For people like Elijah, God, thank you for including his life in Scripture and teaching us things through him. God, I thank you that you chose to handle him with mercy and with grace and that you choose to do the same with us. Lord, I thank you for a new year, for new beginnings. Lord, I thank you for those who are in this room, for those who are watching us online and the fact that you want to do something new in their life this year. God, help us to put ourselves in positions and in postures where we can hear your voice. You guys, if you would, keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just a moment. As you examine your life, I want you to know that there's one thing that's more important than any other. If your relationship with God isn't right, those other four areas will never be right. And the first step in getting your relationship 
with God, right, is surrendering your life to Him. So maybe you're here this morning and you've never done that. And I want to encourage you to do it today. Here's what the Bible tells us. It tells us that, that we've all sinned. Now that means we've messed up, we've missed the mark that God set for us. We hadn't lived up to the standard that He set. That's not a surprise to you. It's not a surprise to me. It's not a surprise to anyone in this room. We all know that to be true of ourselves. The Bible also is clear that the wages of that sin is death and eternal separation from God. But then there's this wonderful part of that verse that says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's the truth of the matter. That although we messed our life up, there's a God who loves you and cares for you and He wants to give you new life. An abundant life. A life full of purpose and a life full of meaning. Will it still be difficult? Absolutely. Will it be hard? Without a doubt. But will it have purpose and will it have meaning and will it last forever? It absolutely will. If there's never been a moment in your life where you trusted Jesus, then today is that day. You can simply tell Him. You can say a prayer like this. It's between you and God. Say, Lord Jesus, today I realize my need for you. I know I'm sinful and broken. I believe that you died to pay the price for my sins. That you were buried. That you arose again. Today I surrender my life to you. I trust you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, we thank you for anyone who just said that prayer. God, thank you that you continue to call people into new life. Hey, but I know this to you guys, that a lot of us here in this room, a lot of us watching online, that we've been following Jesus for a while. And if we're not careful, there's a lot of things that happened last year in the year 2021 that God don't want us to take into the year 2022 that we'll tote right in there. And today I believe God may be speaking to you And he may be saying that today is the day for you to lay some things down and just leave them there. Here's what happened with Elijah. God called him to something new. You know what he had to do? He had to come down off the mountain. And it had been nice, I'm sure, to stay there in the cave in the presence of God forever and ever. But when he came down off the mountain, he had to leave some stuff behind because God didn't want to do through Elijah what he did in the past. And so every victory and every failure that he had ever had up to that moment he had to lay them down and say god i'm willing to do what you're calling me to do today and today i would remind you that for 2022 god has something new for you he doesn't want to do the same thing that he did whether good or whether bad last year that there is something new but it requires you to lay down that baggage so don't tote that baggage into the new year with you and so here's what we're going to do you guys our prayer team is going to be on each side of the platform Maybe you just want to come to the altar and pray with them. Or maybe you just want to kneel down and say, Lord, today I'm going to leave this here. And I'm not going to pick it up. And I'm going to walk out the door. And I'm going to walk with you afresh and anew. Lord Jesus, would you move in this moment in a powerful way. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you guys please stand?